Hi there, this is Dr. Tracy Jones. Thanks so much for joining us on our series, Throwback Thursday, where we feature some of my father, Charlie Tremendous Jones, wit and wisdom from our past archives. In our section today, we are going to listen to part two of a three-part series. The speech is called, A Christian is a Full-Time Minister. And in this segment, you are going to hear about how my father, as a young life insurance salesman in Lancaster, had a gentleman by the name of Jim Shelley jump into his car. And my father immediately thought, all right, a hot prospect to whom I can sell life insurance. But Jim Shelley proceeded to ask my father a very important question. He said, Charlie, how is it with your soul? And then he proceeded to open the Bible and allow my father to read several Bible verses. And the rest is history. So take a listen. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. You see, you can't try to get to heaven, get to heaven. You can't try to be a witness, be a witness. Because you see, just like he paid it all to come, he pays it all to follow. You know, trying to to be a better husband, trying to be a better wife. You can't be try to be a better husband, be a better husband. The better you try to be a better husband, the more you learn to act like you're a better husband. You ain't a better husband, you're just a better actor. And she don't like that now. (laughs) Now God's a little fed up with all these people acting because you tried it out. Now you see, when you grow, it, it just happens. You don't even know you're better. You see, you got to tell you how it happened to me, though. Because there's a couple little things that's so beautiful I never got over. It's interesting, folks. Learners who never teach are always teaching. But teachers who aren't learning never teach. You look back in your life, all the great people who had the great impact on your life were learners who taught you a lot and they didn't know they were teaching. Look at all the people who tried to force things down your throat and teach you and you don't remember a thing they said. So I'd like to share with you a couple of principles tonight of what happened to me in 1950. I was out looking for a young man or somebody, anybody, to sell an insurance policy to. And a young man who I hadn't seen for years named James Schelling jumped into my car. And the first thing he said, I, I don't remember exactly what or how it went, but I remember basically some of the things. He jumped into my car and he said, how is it with your soul? And that was a strange greeting to me. I thought, well, maybe, uh, how, how was your soul? I just, that's the strangest greeting I ever heard. Then he saw, I was puzzled. He said something like, are you going to heaven? Are you going to heaven when you die? Right, God. And I knew the answer to that. Is that nobody can know. Nobody ever came back. How would I, we don't even know there was a heaven. And I told him anyway, I'm barely living now. The last thing I want to do is talk about dying. Well, this is a very wise young man. Because from here on, I'll never, as long as I live, I'll never get over what he did. You see, I was a young insurance man, and I was taught a good salesman always lets the prospect talk as much as they want to talk. Then when they're finished talking, you talk and sell them an insurance policy too. So I thought I'm going to let this guy talk. And when he's finished, I will sell him an insurance policy. The trouble with this bird was he never shut up. (laughs) But even though he wouldn't shut up, he didn't do hardly any talking. You know, well, how would he monopolize the conversation if he didn't? Ah, and that's what I want to come to now. When he saw I was puzzled, 
He reached in and got out a little New Testament, and he put it in my hand. And this is a couple of things that happened. Now, first of all, he didn't tell me where he went to church, and I'm glad he didn't. Because, see, I had just been baptized at a large church. My wife made me be baptized in order to get our son baptized. And we, so I, and I knew people in lots of churches. Now, he didn't tell me where to go to church, and I'm glad. Because I love that old line where the guy said, well, I was raised in the church. He said, well, I, you could be raised in a garage, but that wouldn't make an automobile. You see, everybody knows it don't matter where you're raised. You don't have to be a Christian to know being raised in church does not mean anything. But so he was smart enough not to tell me where he went to church. He was also smart enough not to tell me what to believe. You see, he already somehow knew that I knew I would rather go to hell on what I believe and what you believe. And I still believe that. So he didn't tell me what he believed. He didn't tell me I was wrong either. And he didn't tell me he was right. That was a new switch. You well, what did he do? Very beautiful thing. He put the Bible in my hands. He said, now I want you to read me some verses and explain to me what you read. So he turned, he turned back to Romans chapter 3, and he turned back for me so I could find it. He said, now read Romans 3.10 there. I said, all right. There's none righteous, no, not one. This is good. Read that again. All right. There's none righteous, no, not one. Now, explain that to me. What do you think that means? All right. I think that means there's none righteous, no, not one. This is right. Now, I thought he was setting me up. I thought he was going to let me explain it and read them as wrong. Now, you see, we laugh. But I want to tell you this, folks. As long as if I have God let me be the first man to live a thousand years... I'll tell you, I'd never get over the day when I saw with my eyes, there is none righteous, no, not one. I always knew I was unrighteous. I didn't know everybody else was unrighteous. I thought I had to learn to act righteous before you found how unrighteous I was. And I didn't know he was just as unrighteous as I was. <laughs> Brother, I tell you, that was good news. Good news, there's none righteous, no, not one. <laughs> Brother. Must be a new new book. He said, read, read on, read. Come on down here, read this one. He said, read that. All right. There's none that understandeth. Read that again. Have me read slow. Right? There's none that understandeth. So what do you think that means? All right. I think it means there's none that understandeth. He said, right. Everything he had me explain to him that day was right. I thought maybe I'm a Bible teacher and don't know it. <laughs> now you see, we laugh. But I, I, I always wanted somebody to understand me. I wanted my mother to understand me. I wanted my father to understand me. I wanted my friends to understand me. You know what got me married? You know what got me married? I did what got me married. I was sitting one night with her, Gloria Burkhart. She looked up to my eyes, up to my eyes, and she says, My dearest, I understand you so well. I thought, <laughs> How about that? She understands me. I thought, I'll marry her on that alone. I'll learn to love her later. I married my wife on that alone, and what was the first thing I discovered after we got married? She lied about that, too. 
She has never understood me. She can read my mind, but I hate that too. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you know what every human being needs today? Their heart is made to be understood. And thank God there's a love letter that says, and we know 1 John 5, and we know the Son of God hath come and hath given us an understanding. You say, what do you understand? I understand by God's grace. He is my understanding. And I'll tell you, that was a great day. There's none. And I always knew that there was never anybody ever lived understood everything about anything. No one understands. But thank God now the problem was different. Because it wasn't just me being dumb and insecure. There's none that understand it. None. <sighs> so read on down there further, all right? There's none that seeketh after God. So read that again, all right? There's none that seeketh after God. What do you think that means? There's none that seeketh after God. Well, if nobody ever seeks after God, how would anybody ever get to know God? Well, I guess God must seek after us. This is right. Well, that made sense. I knew that I wasn't seeking after God. I was seeking after a better job, a better this, a better that. The last thing in the world I ever was interested in was God. If God would be my errand boy, but that couldn't be God, could it? Thank God he was seeking after me. Well, he turned back to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Showed me we're new creation in Christ. Turned back to Ephesians 2, 8, and I said, read me that. And I read it to him. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of work, lest any man should boast. He said, how do you get, how do you get to heaven then? I said, well... By, by having faith and doing the best you can. He said, read it again. He just had me read it over and over again. And finally I saw that I'm saved by grace through faith. Not of myself, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, I didn't need no seminary for that. Man, that just rang so true. I couldn't believe that God could make this book as it was supposed to be so contradictory and so impossible, so obvious that almost an illiterate would understand that. Turn back to John 1, 12. Turn back to John 3. And I never forget when we talked about Nicodemus. And Jesus said, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus said, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Does, can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And we went on down to John 3, and we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I remember telling Jim something like, Well, gee, Jim, I couldn't believe that. So well, why not? Well, I couldn't believe in that God sent anybody to hell. He will read on the next verse. And the next verse said, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And I saw for the first time in my whole life that God never sent anybody to hell, that God, since I was born, has been knocking at my heart's door waiting to come in and sent Christ to die that nobody would have to go to hell. I never got over that. 
Well, I could see about this time, about an hour had gone by, and I could finally see this guy was not going to buy any insurance. <laughs> and, then, then the, this, and this was getting a little heavy, too. I could see this, that I was almost in a box. And I didn't want to be converted. I didn't think I wanted to be converted because I felt maybe this guy is a super, whatever it is, that put one over on me. So I tried to explain to him that the Bible is myth and fable, and I don't have much right now, but I have a lot of ambition, and someday I'm going to have a lot, and I'm going to be something. And I'm afraid if I think about what you'd have me think about, I would mean I would have to be a failure, because everybody I've ever known who had a little religion seemed to be sort of a little weak up here, or didn't have anything. You know what he said? Didn't argue. He just simply said, well, Charlie, just remember this. If this book is... If this book is a myth, and if it's fable, if it is for ignoramuses, then the simpletons who believed in Christ have nothing to lose. They've enjoyed their fool's paradise. But he said, if this book is God's word, if Jesus Christ is the Son of God and this book is true, and you're wrong, then you're going to live your life in vain and spend eternity in hell no matter how many liberals tell you there's no hell. And you know he did the second greatest thing anybody ever did for me that day. You know what he did? He left me alone. He left me alone. You know, had he not left me alone, I'd still be arguing. It's a wonderful thing, friends. It's a horrible thing to be left all alone without God. It's a wonderful thing to be left all alone with God. Sometimes your best friends will be your worst enemies if they keep you from enjoying God in the person of Christ. Amen. And so I got rid of that guy that day, but as I drove away, you know what I realized? I was never going to go home again. I'd never sell another policy. I'd never talk to another person as long as I live until I settled one thing. Are those verses I just read, are those verses I just explained, are they true? And you know what I knew in my ignorance? I knew that if what I just read was true, I knew there was no thinking about it. i got to tell you something, folks. Every evangelistic meeting I've ever been to, every invitation I've ever heard, every sermon I've ever heard, when I hear people say, or when you witness to them, I want to think about it, I almost fall over. Because I want to tell you something, friend. The last thing you want to think over is when you realize this is the Word of God, and God and Christ are not an option. And all I knew that day was there wasn't nothing to think over except this. I had to settle in my mind, is what I read true? And if that book is true, what I read, then there is no thinking nothing over. Somehow, some way, I've got to ask God, even if he doesn't want to convert me, God, you've got to convert me. Because if this is true, there's no use living without my being a part of what is the only real thing in the world. Because I knew one thing, there wasn't nothing real I've ever seen up until that time. And so guess what I did that day? As I drove the streets of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I tried to figure it out. And guess what I figured out? You can't figure it out. <laughs> I figured that out. And I tried reasoning in it. I tried to reason this. I figured out unreasonable people can't reason too good. And I remember the old days when I used to say, Lord, why don't you make me understand? Now, how in the world can God make me understand him when I can't even understand me? And I began to see why you come with a little child and you don't come at all. 
because that's what you are. I can act like a big man to you, but before God, he knows every big man is a little child. Nothing. And that's wonderful. You get to come to God on his terms. And so I finally parked my car. West King Street. You ever go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Go up there in the 400 block of West King Street, right above the old firehouse, and I'll show you the spot. Park my car. And I just settled down and to talk with the Lord for the first time from my heart. And I just said, now, God, something like this. I don't understand all this business about religion. I know how to act, but I don't know how to be. I know how to say I love you, but I've never loved anybody in my whole life, even my own dear wife. I want to love her, but I haven't. And God, with all my heart, I don't know how to believe this. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it in my heart. God, I know this is real. It's true. And I want you to forgive my sins and come into my heart. And I repent. Whatever these things mean, God, you know my heart. Come into my heart and let me be a Christian. I don't even know what a Christian is. But God, make me a Christian. In Jesus' name, I ask him. Something like that. I said, Amen. Well, right away, I realized I just made, I realized I'd just done something I'd never do. I just talked to God personally from my heart. And so I began waiting now for God to make his move because I had made my move. <laughs> and I waited maybe a minute and I began to suspect, I began to suspect maybe God wasn't going to make his move. <laughs> And you know what I figured out? I figured out maybe God wasn't making his move because he didn't believe I meant it. Because, see, God knew I'd prayed before. I used to pray often, Lord, you get me out of this jam and I'll be a hot potato for you next week. <laughs> this wasn't that kind of a prayer. This wasn't a prayer, God save my business. This wasn't a guy prayer, save my marriage. This wasn't a prayer, God save my children. This is just a simple, plain prayer from the depths of my heart. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, something about these words are real. And God, I want to know you. In Jesus' name, forgive me. Whatever it is, let me be a Christian. So I said, all right, God, if you don't believe I mean it, I'm going to pray again. And then you'll know I mean it, and you can make your move, and then we'll get on with whatever's next. Because I knew something big was coming. So I bowed my head again, and... And I don't know what it is, but it's just simple. I'm sure it was just something like, Dear God, with all my heart, in Jesus' name, I'm really meaning it with all my heart, in Jesus' name, come into my heart. Amen. Well, folks, here's the point. Thirty-five years have gone by. Thirty-five years. And never once in thirty-five years has God made his move to make me feel like something happened. Now, I'm relieved that I'm not fighting God. I'm relieved I'm not running from God. I'm relieved I'm not searching. But I had plenty of feelings before I was got saved, and I had a lot of feelings since I got saved. And I got to tell you, friends, you say, Brother Jones, when I got saved, I tell you it was like lightning. And I tell you, it was electrifying. Amen, amen. God bless your heart. I'm happy for you. But let me tell you something, friend. Go easy on your feelings. I'll tell you why. Over the years, I've watched Christian workers. I don't mean regular Christians. I mean the workers. And I'll tell you, the first ones who are blown away at the first good wind of adversity are workers who live the life of the way they feel. I hope you enjoyed that Throwback Thursday and were deeply blessed by it. My father was a life insurance salesman who was deeply in love with Christ. And in this segment, he shared how he just played that simple prayer and how he had to make a decision for himself as to whether the Bible was true or not. And this is the decision that we all have to make. And I love um, how my father shared this story with millions of people throughout the years. He wrote about this in his book, Life is Tremendous, which is 
still in print and been translated into dozens of languages. And I love it when my father says, don't go looking for the Lord. He's not lost. We simply have to come as little children. So we get calls from people all over the world about how they got a copy of Life is Tremendous and read this story of my father's conversion and how it deeply impacted them. And these people are today ordering copies to give to their friends and family. So please check us out on TremendousLeadership.com. Pick up your copy of Life is Tremendous and you can any order over $100 is um, free shipping. So get copies to hand out to other people. Thanks so much for tuning in. And also, if you would like more of my father's tremendous vintage videos, go check out our sister channel on YouTube, Tremendous Life Books, and enjoy. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.